The scripture reading for today is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. This can be found on page 10 of your pew Bible. As believers, we trust in the grace of God who called us, not because we have achieved perfection, but out of a loving desire to bless us and to bless others through us. A reading from Genesis chapter 12, beginning with the first verse. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all of their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. And there he moved to the hill country, onto the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. One of my current favorite pastimes with my four-month-old son, Samuel, is playing together. Our playtime is riveting, by the way. It consists mostly of tummy time and trying to teach Samuel some new skills. One of those new skills we've been working on tirelessly the past week is rolling. Now, Samuel, he can roll one way, but not the other. You see, he can roll from his back to his belly. The only problem is once he gets on his belly, he gets stuck and he gets upset and he begins to cry and he needs saving. And so I'm working with him, trying to teach him how to roll from his belly to his back. And what's funny is, during our practice together, I physically move Samuel. I'm hoping he gets some muscle memory from this. And I flip him over, and we do it over and over and over. And every time we do it, he looks up at me, and he smiles, as if he has just accomplished some huge physical feat on his own. (laughs) Come on, I'm doing all the work here, Samuel, really? Now, When we look at the story of Abram today, it's kind of like looking at Samuel. When we look at Abram and we say, look at this guy that did all these things for God. It's kind of like walking in and looking at Samuel and saying, look at Samuel. He just did a flip all on his own. No, Abram, the story is not really about 
him doing anything for God is what we're going to see today. But rather, it's about God's faithfulness to Abram in spite of himself. And what we're going to see in this Genesis chapter 12 text is that God, our God, he calls imperfect people to himself so that he can bless them and that they can then bless others. So let's take a look at this idea that God, he calls imperfect people to himself. In Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, uh, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. We'll stop right there. If you have a study Bible, you might notice something that after that word said, there should be a small number or letter. And that number or letter is connected to a footnote. And the footnote probably says something like this. This phrase can also be translated, the Lord had said. Now, this is an important thing to note because oftentimes when we read the story of Abram and his call, we think to ourselves, God called Abram and he immediately responded. He listened to the Lord right away because he was perfect. But this isn't actually true. This is kind of a lazy reading, actually, of this story. We read Scripture within Scripture. And in the New Testament, we actually get a better look at the timeline of Abram's call. In Acts chapter 7, uh, Stephen, the early church father, he's speaking to a group of uh, the most foreknown Jewish scholars of the day on Abram. And he says this in Acts chapter 7, verse 2. Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into the land in which you're now living. So Stephen says, God spoke to Abram. And what did Abram do? Well, God asked him to leave his family and leave his home. And Abram responded by taking his family and not quite getting to that land that God had shown him. Abram makes a stop along the way in the city of Haran. So Abram, he doesn't actually respond perfectly to the initial call of God. And by the way, as we see later in our passage, when Abram actually does respond, and he does go to the land that God shows him, he brings his family with him. He brings his nephew Lot. God specifically told him not to, and Lot is going to cause all kinds of problems for Abram in that land. And then when Abram arrives in the land, he doesn't actually stay there, but he continues on to Egypt. And he gets into some trouble in Egypt surrounding his wife and lying and telling some people that his wife is not actually his wife. And then after he leaves Egypt, he comes back to the promised land and he doesn't trust God again. And he goes outside of his covenant of marriage with Sarah to have, uh, to have relations with another woman by the name of Hagar and to have another child. Do you get the point I'm trying to make here? Abram is not perfect. He's not perfect. And if you notice in that Acts chapter 7 passage, in that first verse, that verse 2, it says, uh, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham. 
Now, Stephen is intentional here as he speaks to these Jewish leaders. He's referring to Abraham's new name. But in our story today, Abraham, he hasn't received that name yet. He's actually still called Abram. And what we learn is that Abram, he's actually not an Israelite at all. He's from the city of Ur of the Chaldeans. He's a man from what's modern day, what now is modern day Iraq. And in the book of Joshua, we learn that Abram's father was an idol worshiper. And so what does God do? He intervenes into this man's life, this idol worshiper. And he says, I'm going to do all these things for you. And this man, he doesn't actually respond. He doesn't respond perfectly. And what does God do? God remains faithful to this imperfect man. And I find the story of Abram so encouraging because it's a reminder to us that our God, he calls not perfect people. He knows we're not perfect. Rather, he calls imperfect people to himself. You see, friends, if you're here this morning, God has called you in. And he's not looking for perfection. He knows you. No, what he's simply looking for is direction. Are you going to move toward him in the midst of all your imperfections like the man of Abram? Now, believe it or not, I, your pastor, I find this encouraging because I am not perfect. I'm not perfect. Now, you all do have a perfect pastor. Her name is Heather. But I am not perfect. I'm not perfect. And there are seasons in my life where God, he reveals these imperfections to me. And one of those seasons has been the past four months since having a baby. Over the past four months, God has revealed to me that I am more selfish and self-centered than I could have ever imagined. It's funny, when I first got married, I thought God had brought me through all my selfishness. I thought that I was on a new plane of selflessness. And then I had a baby and I realized there was still a lot left. (laughs) To be honest with you, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And when I got married, I then had to compromise with my bride. And now that we have a baby, I have to compromise with someone who's a lot more work than my bride. (laughs) And what God is reminding me of is that he's calling me to himself. He's reminding me of my own selfishness, not to condemn me or make me feel bad, but because he wants to address my sin. He wants to address my imperfections because ultimately he wants to bless my marriage and my parenting and my life. And the only way he's able to bless that is when he frees me from my own sin and selfishness. And this brings us to this next section of scripture where we see that God, he calls imperfect people to himself so that he can bless them. Let's take a look at that going on in verse two. It says this. This is God now speaking to this imperfect man, Abram. He says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families, all the families, of earth shall be blessed. I want you to notice this language here. God, he calls this imperfect man to himself. And God doesn't say, Abram, you idiot. What are you doing with your life? You need to get your act together. He doesn't say that. 
No, what God says is, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And there are some of you here this morning that are afraid to come to God. You're afraid to take that next step of faith because you feel as if you're not good enough, that you're not perfect enough, that you haven't done enough. And what Abram is a reminder of is this couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, your imperfections are the reason that God chose you. He doesn't choose perfect people because if he did, they would not need to rely on him. They would just rely on themselves. But he chooses imperfect people for his glory so that he can call us in and bless us. And I love what God says. He says, I will, I will, I will, I will, over and over again in this passage. And by the way, Abram, he hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't gone anywhere. God is initiating these promises. He's making all these promises to this man who has done absolutely nothing. Now, this unmerited favor and grace of God calling in imperfect people to pour out his blessings, that's a theme of the entire Bible. And that's a theme of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, he writes about this theme of receiving God's unmerited favor over and over again. And at one point, he's writing to a group of early Christians gathered together in Rome about this very issue. There's some problems in the church. Can you believe that, a church with problems? You see, some Christians were saying that in order to be made right, they needed to do good things. In order to be made right before God, we needed to follow all these rules. And in the midst of this argument about how we are made right, before God. Paul, he references Abram and he says this in Romans chapter 4, verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say Abraham did all these great things for God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Or Abraham lived the perfect life and it was counted to him as righteousness. Or Abram did. It doesn't say anything like that. All it says is Abraham believed God. That's all we have to do is believe. Believe that God is true to what he says he will do. And in the same way, all we are called to do as followers of Jesus is to believe in him. And when we believe in him, it is counted to us as righteousness. You see, what Paul is teasing out here is that we don't need to earn it. This is not something that we earn or that we work for, but it's only a gift that is freely given. This promise of God to make us righteous means that the most defining thing about our lives is not what we've done. The most defining thing about our lives is not anything that's even been done to us. No, but the most defining thing about our lives is what was done for us through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Amen. You see, friends, that's what defines you. As God the Father looks down at you from heaven, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus' righteousness over you. 
That's how he views you. He views you as fully perfected in Jesus. We don't have to earn it. All we do is receive it. Now, uh, it'd be tempting to think that we receive this free gift and all we do is receive this blessing and rest in it. But that's actually not God's end goal. It's not God's end goal for Abram in our text today and it's not his end goal for us. Because what God eventually desires for us is he restores us to the Father and as he blesses us, he then calls us to bring restoration and blessing in this world to all people. Let's take a look at that going on. We'll read verse two. It says this. He says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families, all the families of earth shall be blessed. You see, God blesses Abram so that he can then carry that blessing to a broken world. And that's God's desire for us as well. As he blesses us, as he restores us to himself and to one another, he calls us then out into this world that desperately needs restoration. Our world that is desperately, desperately broken. Believe it or not, those people that you interact with on a day-to-day basis, uh, God, he wants to bless those people. Maybe even those people in your own household that drive you nuts. God wants to bless them. Or that coworker that you can't stand. God wants to bless that person. In fact, I can tell you about the will of God for every person you come into contact with. Because what Scripture tells us is true, and Scripture says that our God is not slow, as some consider slowness. But he's patient with us, desiring that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. It's God's desire that all people would walk with him, that he would be able to bless and restore all people, families, and communities. And it's his desire to use you in this process of restoration. And I think this is a hard concept for us to understand as Christians, because especially when we first come to Jesus, if we're honest with ourselves, it's really all about us. It's about us being saved from God's righteous wrath. It's about us being saved from a fiery future. We come to Christ at first for us, but God, he doesn't keep us there. He then desires to bring others alongside and in to his kingdom. When I think about our spiritual lives, I often think of the illustration of a reservoir. It's as if when we first come to Christ, he's filling us up and filling us up. He fills us with the fruit of his Holy Spirit, with his love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. He fills us up with all these things. But you know what happens to a reservoir when it's not regularly emptied? Well, the water, it it gets stagnant. And stagnant water, uh, it breeds parasites and bacteria and mold. The only way to prevent this stagnation is if the reservoir is regularly emptied and refilled. And I believe 
that God is calling many of us this morning out of a state of spiritual stagnance. He's calling us out so that we can be poured out, so that he can freely flow through us to bless others. Now, for some of you, this means a very specific calling like leading a life group or joining a Bible study. For others of you, it means uh, maybe just taking that first step of faith in confessing that he is Lord and surrendering your life to him. But for each of us, there is a next step. For all of us, that means he's calling us to share his gospel message, his good news message with a world that's broken and hurting. That's why I'm teaching a class in a couple weeks called How to Share Your Faith. Saturday morning, I can't think of a better way for you to spend your Saturday morning than with me. (laughs) But really, we're teaching this class because this message of Jesus is a message worthy of sharing, friends. It's a message worthy of sharing. It's a message about a God that calls imperfect people to himself. Not to pour out his wrath or his anger or his judgment, but he calls imperfect people to himself to bless them so that they can then in turn go and bless others. Thanks be to God.